Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia dean Today is Friday, August 19th. Coming up, for more than 40 years, one Kansas City man has designed and altered fur coats. Basically, I'm in a trade that is is a dying trade, so that's why I always have more work than I can do. Will his profession survive now that fur is no longer as popular? Plus, aviation pioneer Amelia Earhart disappeared in 1937 on a doomed voyage around the world, but she's still a big presence in Atchison, Kansas. We are all about Amelia. You have Amelia Earhart Highway, Amelia Earhart Bridge, Amelia Earhart Airport, and so the festival has kept that alive. We'll find out more about a new museum dedicated to Earhart opening next year. But first, some headlines. The Kansas Attorney General's office says there are legal problems with proposed regulations that allow sports gambling to start on September 1st. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports. In a statement, the Kansas Attorney General's office said staff had identified problems with the regulations during a normal review. The statement says the review is being expedited and suggestions for fixing the problems could come within days. It's not clear if the legal problems will delay the start of gambling. The four state-operated casinos are planning to begin taking bets online and in person on September 1st. People must be 21 and within the state of Kansas to place bets. The state estimates legal betting will bring in up to $10 million of tax revenue a year. Two Kansas counties have spent more money than expected recounting the vote on the abortion rights amendment. That means the local election office will foot the remainder of the bill. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. The Kansas City Star says Lyon and Johnson County underestimated the cost of a recount. Neither county said how much more it will cost. Lyon County originally projected a recount to cost $500, while Johnson County's first estimation was $75,000. In Douglas County, Clerk Jamie Hsu says he is not sure if he will go over projections because his county never gave the Secretary of State an estimation. The only cost estimate that we gave uh, them was for recounting the treasurer's race, which was only 10,000 ballots, and this was 47,000 ballots. The ballots recounted so far have confirmed a landslide rejection of the amendment. Kansas City's Climate Protection and Resiliency Plan would decommission Evergy's Hawthorne Coal Plant in northeast Kansas City by 2025. The plan, created by a Climate Protection Steering Committee, aims for the city to be carbon neutral by 2040. Activists urged the city council yesterday to pass the plan with no changes. But First District Council Member Heather Hall said she wants to make sure Evergy and Spire have a seat at the table. Aidan Allum of climate activism group Sunrise Movement says utility companies have already been trying to change the plan. They have been here the whole yeah. time, you know. They've also had a hand in like playing a lot of the policies in KC, especially regarding utilities and everything. To say where are they is a little bit ironic and disingenuous of what's actually happening in KC. The plan will be open for public comment next Wednesday at 9 a.m. at City Hall. The Amelia Earhart Hangar Museum is slated to open next year in Atchison, Kansas. It honors the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. KCUR's Laura Spencer reports on the efforts to open the museum and the aircraft serving as its centerpiece. 
Every year during the third weekend in July, Atchison, Kansas, with a population of about 10,000, more than doubles in size for the Amelia Earhart Festival. Downtown blocks of Commercial Street are lined with antique cars. Vendors sell honey and candles, and a seven-piece ragtime group plays on. There's also cake. Ryan Moult slices thick squares of chocolate and vanilla. But we always do a cake every year and hand it out free to everybody that's down here on the mall. Just kind of a little happy birthday, Amelia. Amelia Earhart looms large here in Atchison. It's where she was born and lived for about a decade with her grandparents. And despite moving around to other cities, it's the place she called home. We are all about Amelia. You have Amelia Earhart Highway, Amelia Earhart Bridge, Amelia Earhart Airport. And so the festival has kept that alive. That's Karen Seberg, who chairs the festival and serves as president of the Amelia Earhart Foundation. The foundation raised funds for the Amelia Earhart Hangar Museum, slated to open in 2023. The centerpiece, a Lockheed Electra 10E, named Muriel after Earhart's sister. Earhart flew in one just like it in 1937, when she and her navigator, Fred Noonan, disappeared in an around-the-world flight attempt. There were only 14 E's made. Amelia's was 12 or 13 off the line, and this one was second off the line. The Lockheed Electra is now housed inside the new hangar at the airport, built for the museum, where visitors got a sneak peek during the festival. Whoa, look at that That's the one we saw, right? Yep, that's yeah. that one. Alex Lefebvre is a pilot and lives in Baser, Kansas, with his wife, Miranda, and two kids, ages two and four. He's also an aviation enthusiast. Oh, yeah, you don't see a Lockheed Electra all that often, so it's nice to come, come give it a look. About an hour south and east from Atchison in Overland Park, the main fabrication floor at Dimensional Innovations can get loud. This is where the design, build, and tech firm is putting together some of the museum's exhibits. When people come into the museum, this will be one of the first things that they see. Project manager Gabrielle Klockow stands next to the museum's curved welcome desk. Our designers really wanted to, with all of the elements, bring in the Art Deco feel. A lot of walnut, a lot of um, brushed aluminum, a lot of rivets. Tucked in another room, there's a work in progress, a full-scale model of the Lockheed Electra's cockpit, made of foam, metal parts, and fiberglass. Once it's finished, people can duck down and climb inside. Turn a steering wheel, flip up switches, buttons, and hear sounds. Other tech innovations include a virtual reality game and a recreation of Earhart's 1932 feet when she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Trisha Roberts Parker works with a tech team that's assembling all the parts. We really wanted to focus on Amelia as a pioneering woman in her time especially, and also some of the contributions that she made to her field in general. There's also a touchscreen where you can cast your vote on theories about what happened to Earhart when she disappeared in 1937 in her attempt to become the first woman to fly around the world. So there's crashed and sank, cast away, the search continues, assumed identity, reversed course, captive in Saipan, and captured. And although we may never know what happened to Amelia Earhart on that final flight, stories about her life and impact as a pilot on future generations will continue to be told in Atchison and in the new museum opening next year. For KCUR 89.3, 
I'm Laura Spencer. Now we bring you a story that I reported. It's about Bart Atkins, who works at Alaskan Fur in Overland Park. Even though the fur industry has declined in recent decades, he's been designing, sewing, and altering custom furs for more than 40 years. His work typically costs more than $1,000 and can command a price up to the tens of thousands, and such skilled artisans are increasingly rare in the U.S., especially in the Midwest. Atkins has worked on thousands of fur coats, but he's only ever made one coat for himself out of long beaver fur. He keeps it in a basement vault below Alaskan Furs store on Met. Calf Avenue, which holds dozens of racks of coats for temperatures who pay to have them stored at the right temperature and humidity. Atkins' workshop is next door, where he and his assistants can spend days working on a single coat. That's why fur coats cost so much. It's not necessarily the material itself, it's how it's put together. It can take two days to alter a coat, or weeks to make one from scratch, stretching and cutting eight-inch mink skins into strips 50 inches long. To cut fur, Atkins has to wet it with leather softener and stretch it on a table. When it's all wet and nailed out, it's probably over eight to 10,000 staples in that table. Then the next morning when it's dry, I have to pull all those up. I have to cut the edges. I got to trim it out according to pattern. And then every edge has to be taped, and then it gets sewn together. A fur sewing machine has two wheels that have to be moved at the same pace, otherwise the fur will wrinkle as it's sewed. And fur has to be sewn at the very edge of each piece. And then when you get through doing something like that, you you literally have to rub out the seam. Atkins can modernize a coat from the 80s, or he can recycle worn-out heirlooms into gloves, pillows, and even teddy bears. On a weekday in June, Kara Bears brought in a coat from her grandmother for an alteration. Bears has modeled for Alaskan fur, and her mother works at the store. Atkins has Bears try on the coat in front of a three-way mirror, before he takes her measurements with a tape that hangs around his neck. Now, me personally, as a professional, I would like to change the sleeves completely because they're swirl. He says that style is out of date. Extending the cuff would not look very good. Right. In fact, I wouldn't even want to put my name on it. It's hard to find data about the fur industry, but Vogue Business reports sales have gone down in recent decades with the rise of fake fur and vegan products. Charlie Ross leads the auction house Saga Furs North America. He says there were about 1,500 fur workers in the U.S. in 2019, most of them in New York. There may be even fewer now because of the pandemic. Compare that to more than 10,000 just in New York when Ross started in the industry in the 80s. The average age of the worker is certainly increasing. The entire fashion industry is in this same crisis. Atkins at Alaskan Fur isn't sure who's going to replace him or his co-workers when they retire, because it's hard to find people with the skills and determination to work with such difficult material. He's 64, and he's worried about getting COVID-19 because he works so closely with customers. He has arthritis in both hands. He plans to retire in a few years so he can play golf and spend more time with his grandchildren. He doesn't have time to train someone new. Basically, I'm in a trade that is is a dying trade. So that's why I always have more work than I can do. Atkins work has put his kids through college, paid off medical bills, and kept his wife in stylish accessories. But his favorite part has been helping people stay connected to their family members through their furs, including himself after his mother died 20 years ago. I can finally tell the story without tears being in my eyes. 
She didn't have much money. She just had a little muskrat coat. But I made a throw and a blanket out of it to go across the couch in my living room. It means the world to me. Every time I feel like I need mom, I can go stick my nose in it and I still smell mom. And he says you can't put a price on that. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Laura's story about the Amelia Earhart Museum and my story about Bart Atkins, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll hear from an independent U.S. Senate candidate in Missouri. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Hey, do you like Kansas City Barbecue? You should join KCUR's podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, on September 1st for a behind-the-scenes look at our episode about Kansas City's Barbecue King. His food had an aroma that stayed with you, and that's what made them want to come back to him. Tickets are at kcur.org events.